Hello and welcome to Delirium Hour. I hope everyone is doing well. Uh, my name is Jonah, and I'm joined by my two co-hosts that hold up this channel, Kent and Baron. Hello. What's up, we guys? We are on episode five of Delirium Hour. Single, 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 single. Yeah. Single, single. I hope you all are enjoying the podcast so far and enjoying what we've been talking about. Um, if you ever want to hear us talk about a certain topic. Um, Feel free to reach out, reach out to us, and uh, we'll see what we can do with that. Um, I want to remind you that we are on Spotify, and if it's more convenient, that's there for you. Um, but we would love the continued support on both our platforms. Anyway, we have a lot of fun bringing these episodes to you, and today we're coming at you with some of our favorite directors. Ooh, director coming episode. at you. All right. Um, so, Kent, um, who are your, some of your favorite directors? Man, when you start talking about directors, like there are so many to kind of name. And uh, I guess on top on top of my head, some of my favorites have always been definitely David Fincher comes to mind. I think we are all Nolan fans, and mm-hmm. we all love our Christopher yeah. Nolan. Uh, what else? I am a big Tim Burton fan. And I feel like it takes a certain kind of like fan to kind of like, I guess, be into Tim Burton because he's very niche too. But uh, that being said, I like Tim Burton. Wes Anderson always does a good job. Um, yeah, like those those are some of my favorite ones. Oh, Quentin Tarantino. Like if we're talking about Ooh. all tours, yeah, this yeah. thing style, like you mm-hmm. can't not have Quentin Tarantino in the, in the equation. He's just like, <laughs> his personality is like plastered into his movies. You can just totally see it. Yeah, it's yeah. like you can see who he is through his movies. Yeah, man. Yeah, and I like I like Tim Burton films as well, but mm-hmm. uh, I'm probably not as big as you, fan you as you say are. that, right? You say that, but don't lie to all the viewers. We I I asked you like the other day. I'm like, how many movies have you seen? And he's like, Sweeney Todd. No, well, I'm like, you can't be a Tim Burton fan if you don't watch Sweeney Todd. All right, you know I'm mean? a fake. I'm a fake. <laughs> You're a fake, dude. All you watched was Beetlejuice. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> I I watched Sweeney Todd, but I didn't watch Beetlejuice. No, no, oh, no. Wait. No. Yeah, that's the one. That's the one? Okay. Well, you, you watch Sleepy Hollow, right? And then you were like, eh? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he, he doesn't make like... It's 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 different. It's different for sure. 100%, man. Yeah, but... Yeah. Should should I just keep talking about my directors? Or uh, what other directors are you into, Jonah? Um, Some... Well, I only really had like Christopher <laughs> Nolan and James Wan to mention. James okay. Bond? James Wan. Wan. James Wan. James Wan. <laughs> James Wan. Uh, and maybe Ari Aster. Ari Aster, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah that's a good one. He's, a, he's like a, a new favorite for all of us. Um, I probably mentioned him before, but Alex Garland is a good Alex one. Alex Garland is <laughs> a really good one. I feel like you're a uh, Scott Ridley guy too, right? Who? Ridley Scott, man. Oh, oh man, I feel <laughs> so bad. <laughs> yeah. Who the sorry. hell is Scott Ridley? Ridley? I... I think there is someone named Scott Ridley. I just probably mix up their name because this. I mean, there's probably so someone close. in the world named Scott Ridley. Yeah, <laughs> I'm pretty sure there's someone in the world named Garland Alex too. Ridley Scott. Ah, my bad. Yeah, I then, apologize um, to the fans out there. The, uh, Baron, you probably know how to pronounce his name better, but Dennis Villanueva. Oh, I think. But Denis Villeneuve. There you go. Zoom <laughs> <Gesundheit>. site. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, but that's why you're here. Did you say Dennis Villanueva? <laughs> yeah. Is his, is his first name not Dennis? It's Denis. There's it's one Den- S and it's... Denis. Wow. How fancy. Sorry, I'm going to kill this fly real quick. <laughs> All right. And commercial break. And our first sponsor... I'm just kidding. <laughs> I wish we had a sponsor. Colgate. 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 Brian, your day. But, but be- <laughs> wait, wait. Colgate, before you brighten up your day, brighten up your teeth. Ching. That's the best I got. That's the best All I right. got. Make sure you add a little sparkle right there. No, I don't want to do that, man. It's more work for me. <laughs> <laughs> this guy just left. He left during like. <laughs> All right. This quick. guy's this guy's fired. Hey, now now that he's gone, viewers, just tell us. Let us know if you want that guy gone. Like, yeah. Whoa, if you don't whoa, have an do episode it. next week, you know what happened. Oh my god, dude. He's out there killing flies. All right, uh, well, let's fill in the space. So, directors, directors, directors. You, you mentioned Christopher Nolan. And, yeah, let's uh, let's start with uh, Christopher Nolan. We probably yeah, have a lot I, to say. I think that all three of us agreed. Yeah. Oh, he's back. 
Oh. All right. And we're back with Delirium Hour. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I think we're going to go ahead and start off and just talk about some Christopher Nolan. Mm-hmm. Um, Baron, what would you say some of your favorite works from him are? Hold on, he's back. <laughs> Fuck, dude. All right, fly. He's the he's the second Christopher Nolan. Um, I don't think Christopher Nolan has ever released anything I didn't like. Um, I'm assuming mm-hmm. Tenet's gonna be amazing, but um, just going Will back to know? Memento. Like, even though Memento has been something I recently watched, um. I don't know. I think he's always been on point as a director. You already know like what he's willing to do for the movie and like what his style is. He's kind of a I hate to say it, but like no holds barred kind of guy. Whatever he's gonna have to do to realize his vision, he's gonna do. Yeah, and, he and does it, it shows to the full like extent. exactly. Like to think that he was I don't wanna say relatively unknown, but there was a point where not a lot of people knew Nolan as like a household name. And I think with like the Dark Knight trilogy that it really put him on the map. Um, you can go far as to say, like, I think he's, he's never kind of faltered, but now that he's in like the, the worldwide spotlight, like the more, I guess, public spotlight, um, everybody really recognizes his work to be always on point. And I'm assuming, um, I mean, I, I hope when we do see Tenet, it's probably going to be amazing. Fingers crossed. (laughs) The first bad movie he makes. Yeah, imagine Tenet's so bad, and I, I have that... to go back on here this this show, and I have to say, like, sorry, guys, don't watch Tenet. I can't recommend it. <laughs> I I think it would be good. I think it's, it's, yeah. it's a very yeah. safe assumption to say that it will probably be, like, yeah, like like solid at least. I think, you know, yeah. you, you mentioned that in Christopher Nolan, he's that one of those names in the showbiz, show business that mm-hmm. whenever you just hear that name, it's there's so much notoriety and there's so much weight to his name. Yeah. Based on all the works that he's released, like over the years, Dark Knight, you can't not mention Inception. You cannot mm-hmm. mention Interstellar. Prestige. Prestige. Interstellar. Yeah. And Memento. I think any film class that you take, I think Memento is one of those films that always like show up in, in the lessons. It's just like uh that nonlinear chronologically like storytelling he really like popped off <laughs> during yeah, yeah, Memento. Yeah. Right. Like, like I hate to use the word smart, but mm. Christopher Nolan's films are so smart. Like it's not to say that anyone that doesn't appreciate them or doesn't like them is dumb, but you can see that he kind of he caters his movies to like a specific audience. If you're willing to take some time, rack your brain and think about a movie, then Christopher Nolan films are for you. Like even to this day Inception is one of the most critically acclaimed, but also like publicly dividing movies of all time, I'd say, because there's people that can watch it the first time and think, wow, that was amazing. And there's people that can watch it like 50 times and be like, I still don't get it. You know? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Layers, layers, You can say that about almost all of his films. A lot of people, I mean, there's a, there's a handful of people out there that don't appreciate Memento because there are critics that would say it's kind of convoluted. Or even hard to understand in some cases, because it is—it's a weird concept to show a movie backwards and forwards yeah. at the same time. Crazy. And if you're like, I don't know, like if your attention span's kind of low, like it's easy to just get <laughs> distracted. You could go to the restroom, come back, and five minutes later, you won't know what's going on. You see, people who don't like movies like that, where they're like, "Oh, it's too convoluted and everything." I feel like they're going to the movies because kind of like I don't know. I think their I guess intent watching the movie is just so backwards you they're going in just to they're expecting something to something easy to understand but i think christopher nolan when he creates a movie and you watch it it's you leave mm-hmm. the theater you, you start you uh sometimes it leaves you with more questions than like answers but like it, it just yeah, makes you every think time. about it makes yeah. you think about it and i think like isn't doesn't that isn't that a testament to how striking the movie is because you can't stop thinking about it whether it's like you loved it or not you're just like what happened here and yeah. What happened over here? It's man, it's crazy. Uh, I, it's complex. I totally agree with you guys that like he makes super intellectual movies. Yeah. But I think at the same time they're still pretty entertaining, even for like um people who aren't there for like Chris that Christopher Nolan like right yeah. smart movie thing, you know? It's a range. Um, like, mm-hmm. like it's kind visually... of embarrassing to say though too, because like yeah. sometimes I don't get it. <laughs> I'm like yeah. no, one no, I definitely... could mention would be like Dunkirk. Did you guys ever watch Dunkirk? I've seen yeah. half of it. 
Yeah, <laughs> Dunkirk. It's very simple on paper. It's like it's three separate, um, I guess, accounts of the same event that's happening, which is like the evacuation of Dunkirk, mm-hmm. and um, like he even gives you like a like a setting, like the time setting at the bottom of the screen, and when I'm watching, I'm just like, what just happened? Because then it'll show you like the the sky point of view, which is like from Tom Hardy's point of view, and it happens in like what the span of thirty minutes because it's a plane, you know, everything happens mm-hmm. really fast. And then you have like the first person account of the foot soldier, and that goes on for like like almost an entire day, I think, or maybe even more than that. No, I think it's just one day, like re- early morning to the evacuation, and then there's like the the boat perspective, which starts like midday. And ends obviously at the evacuation, and even just putting that together in my head, I'm like really confused sometimes. Yeah. But it is what it is, you know. Like he knows what he's doing, and to like the most ego-eyed viewers, you still find like some interest in the movie, or you still find something that surprises you. Yeah. I want to go back to Tenet real quick, and like I just want to say like I I would only trust Christopher Nolan to to do a movie like that and get it right. Right. Yeah. True. Has Christopher Nolan written all over it, man? Yeah. yeah. Like you know, when you talk about like directors, or when you think about directors, and I hate to always mention that film class, but it was just so impactful, right? But when we were learning about directors, they were talking about how a lot of their works have to embody the personality and the interest of the director that's helming it. And a common theme that you see throughout a lot of Nolan films is the concept of time. And how yeah. he manipulates manipulates time, you know, like you look at Memento, it's like chronologically all over the place, backwards, forward, and Dunkirk, different times, blah blah, yeah. and it's really cool because like, I think time is such a, I guess, interesting concept. And you watch those movies, and like you get to see his like little input on I don't know, just like the way he just controls and manipulates time mm-hmm. I, I i have no words for it i just think it's just really cool and i had to mention it at least you know right one other thing i really like about nolan too is he likes to leave like um like breadcrumbs like if you ever watch something like say what's an easy one prestige prestige yeah prestige mm-hmm. it's a it's such a cool movie because you think you've seen it all right like oh a magician never reveals his tricks but you already know all the tricks mm-hmm. you watch a christopher nolan movie about magic and you think Holy crap. Especially at the end. Like, I don't want to reveal it for anyone yeah. that hasn't watched it, but the there's a couple a of twists. Banger. <laughs> right. There's a couple of twists in that movie that just blow everyone away. That That's how you do a magician movie. Like, yeah. for real. Exactly. We, I mean, we, we always say, we're like, you, you you start watching this that movie and you're like, oh, this is a magician's movie. And by the end of the, mo- by the, end of the movie, you're like, that was a magician's movie. Yeah. You know? yeah. That was the magician was movie. The magician I mean, okay, movie. it's not <laughs> it's not like there's a lot of magician movies out there, but we have like Now You See Me and yeah. Now You See oh, Me yeah. too. Like compared to that, dude. Now You See Me was pretty good though. Honestly, I, I really like that approach, even though I like it good, got really weird at the end. I like a good old heist cool. movie. Yeah. Like, I, it was cool, I'm but biased. like at the end, it wasn't even magic anymore. It was just like, so you're telling me they evaporated wrong. into money? That's not magic. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. A magician never reveals the secrets. True. <laughs> Very true. Yeah. I'm looking at you, um, what's his face? Uh, Lex Luthor looking guy. <laughs> what's his? Mark when? Jesse Eisenberg? Jesse Eisenberg. Mark Zuckerberg? Looking at you. Um, yeah, oh. Mark Zuckerberg looking guy. <laughs> Lex Luthor looking guy. <laughs> yeah, man. Any other uh, Nolan films that... I know Baron Rib was really interstellar. I know... Yeah, Jonah is really really into Interstellar as well. Do you have anything to say about Interstellar, Baron? That's probably one of your favorite movies. I have a lot of things to say about Interstellar, but um, I just want to go back, kind of tying it back into Tenet, right? So, um, if you guys haven't heard, Tenet is kind of known right now to be, I don't want to say groundbreaking because it's 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 a magnificent magnificent feat. But um, one of the things is they're really minimizing the use of cgi and um green screen in this new movie with nolan and he's kind of known for doing that already but it's just crazy to think because on the scale of this movie it's it's really hard to do but christopher nolan is so smart in kind of keeping his financials low that he's actually saving an incredible amount of money by keeping the the cg effects and um just kind of like 
the software expense, I guess, that you would normally have to do for a big budget movie like this. Like in comparison, Marvel probably spends half of their budget on just effects <laughs> alone, right? But um, there's that story that's been pretty widely publicized with, um, I think, the plane sequence. There's um, there's a little story about how he did the calculations and he would actually spend so much more money to do a CG plane and you know have all of that backdrop um, computer generated than just doing it physically with a Boeing 747, I think, or one of those. And I don't know, man. So Going wait, back to... Are, are you saying he's opting for more like digital effects rather than no, practical? No, opposite. opposite. So he's doing more practical... The entire than... movie is probably like 90-something percent practical. Oh. Crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. Which is really crazy. I really can And if you remember in Interstellar, um, there's that crop field scene. And it's yeah. just basically what um, Timothy Chalamet and uh, Matthew McConaughey driving through a crop field for like just a small sequence, like yeah. 10 minutes maybe. Yeah. That whole sequence is practical because he literally bought a cornfield. Like he awesome. bought acres and acres of a cornfield and actually made money by profiting it off. Can you visit, um, can you visit that cornfield one day? Like the Christopher probably, Nolan yeah. cornfield? Probably, I mean, I don't know if it's still corn. Actually, I don't think it's corn anymore. I think they grew the corn and then sold the corn and it made money. That is so cool, That's it. man. <laughs> yeah. That's smart. Yeah, I'm always talking about always like practical effects. Go on. Yeah, are you talking about his practical effects? Like, just makes me think about how. You got it. Yeah. <laughs> it makes me think about how grounded, like he has this grounded approach towards mm -hmm. his films, mm -hmm. and that's just like one way of contributing to that. Right. But like he always makes like a down to earth movie, even though if it's not like a realistic, like physically. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. very true. It's funny that you said that because I think about how I hate to keep saying groundbreaking, but that's kind of how I describe Nolan. Damn, there's another one. Um, the Dark Knight trilogy, right? When we first heard that Nolan was going to take on the superhero genre, I was going to be like, I wonder what he's going to do. Because you know his history from before, right? You could almost assume that there's a lot to go wrong. There's a lot of chance for like, you know, a big mm -hmm. world-class mess up, but he didn't. He did the one thing that we appreciate in movies from like when we talked about Watchmen, right? It's a realistic approach on a outlandish situation, I guess. But it's almost it's almost easy to say after watching the Dark Knight trilogy that it's kind of a realistic approach mm -hmm. to a very, very possible situation. Because there's a guy that we've heard this story before, right? His parents were killed, and he wants to do something about it, and he has this strong urge to, to, to find justice for his parents and people that could be victims like his parents, right? And he has a, just an enormous amount of wealth that he can do anything with. So he makes a suit, buys a bunch of gear, does a lot of training. That's possible. You know, everyone, either one of us could do that these days, obviously, if we had the funds. But, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. he didn't want to do it. <laughs> Like any other way where you look at like Tony Stark and he made a suit that, yeah, like it's it's possible, but come on. It's developed around the basis of an arc reactor, which we don't even know how it works. Like we don't have anything in our lives that could kind of, damn, uh, I can't do it. <laughs> it's going to make a really loud smack. I didn't get it. That wasn't worth it. Stop. I'm going to have so much editing to do after this. Oh, my God. <laughs> but, I'm sorry. Um, what was I saying? Oh, yeah, because, like, the arc reactor isn't something we know, and it's not something we can wrap our minds around, right? There's nothing that relates to Batman that we don't kind of have a, a concept of, if that makes any more sense. Yeah. yeah. But that, well, it kind of also is, like, Batman for being a superhero without any powers. Yeah. yeah. But Very true. I still, if, if there was still any other superhero he could have done, I'm glad it was Batman. Yeah. yeah. But you still got to commend uh, Nolan for like making an act, like a superhero movie with an actual plot. Right. <laughs> but like, right. With, yeah. with rela like relatable human emotions. And yeah. That's how you do a superhero movie. And like, you need to relate it to like a regular human being. Yeah. Right? I think, like, what movie about Batman makes you feel for Alfred, dude? That was amazing. 
Michael Caine did a great job, man. Yeah. <laughs> Michael, uh, Michael Caine. Why, Michael why Caine is just me the... that I love seeing Michael Caine in all the Nolan films? Whenever I, I see love him, seeing Michael I Caine, period. I so happy, but especially yeah. in Nolan films. It just works. It's like Martin Scorsese's uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. Like, yeah. the pairs between directors and certain actors, once you see enough works, it's like whenever you see that person, it just mm-hmm. feels so right. And it's Like awesome. Tim Burton and Johnny Depp. Yeah, Tim Burton, Johnny mm-hmm. Depp, Quentin Tarantino, and... Uh, wait, uh, Uma Thurman? No, like, she's like one. She was in one, like, two <laughs> films. No, she was in but I love those films and yeah. uh, Kill Bill. But, uh, yeah, still think, cool, though. Well, Quentin, kind of what Kurt Russell is the one that I always think right. of. Right. Yeah, yeah, Kurt Russell. But, yeah. I mean, it's not as, like, impactful. Even though Kurt Russell's great in Quentin Tarantino films, um, they're not, like, always big roles. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're not, like, yeah. I'm, Actually, no, they kind of are. I mean, yeah, like, um, what Grindhouse is that his first one? Grindhouse is that the well? I remember he the was one with in Kurt the... Russell as a stunt driver. Oh yeah, I yeah, yeah yeah yeah. And then he's also like pretty big in um Hateful Eight, and yeah. he's got a kind of prominent role in um, th- Once yeah. Upon a Time. I think I mean like look at Michael Caine like he's not like the titular character in every single like movie, but it's just like yeah, he's, he's just, not. He's just one of those you know like uh, casting choices that he always that Nolan seems to really favor. Yeah. And then for for fans like we just love seeing like those pairs on screen like Prestige. He was in the Prestige. He was in. in he's in almost every Nolan film. Yeah. yeah. If you go really in depth with all the Nolan films in his whole universe. Mm-hmm. You can see Michael Caine orchestrating everything that's happening. <laughs> Michael Caine, kind of true. He's he's a he's the actual um um character in throughout every. Yeah, uh, he's like. <laughs> I want someone to make uh like a small movie of just Michael Caine and all of Nolan's films. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and if you connect so it together, cool. that's the real movie. Yeah, that's, that's the, the real, real movie. movie. <laughs> <laughs> that's the real movie. He's Alfred. He's like a he's like a magician's like. What 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 was he like? Was he someone's dad, uncle? In what? Uh, in the Prestige? No, he was the old magician who taught the two magician current magicians uh, how to yeah, 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 do their yeah, tricks. Yeah. But right. then they split off, and he stuck with Hugh Jackman instead of Christian Bale. Right. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> yeah, Christopher Nolan. <laughs> Love that guy. You guys like how I um didn't talk about Interstellar at all, but I just talked about corn. <laughs> yeah, when when Interstellar came up, I was like, "All right, here it comes, right? Here comes Baron's like time to shine." And, and then you just go on a segment about corn. I I loved it though. It I mean, the cool thing too is scientifically, he did a huge thing for um for uh astrologists with like the black hole. Yeah, really cool. Yeah, and I'm really glad that he got Kip Thorne to um to uh to work on set just to make sure that everything was scientifically accurate. Mm-hmm. I think I watched that movie twice. And I don't know if I understand it. <laughs> but <laughs> that movie is just so trippy. Yeah. Good. I'm sure that's what he wants. <laughs> so yeah. uh, you're just making Christopher Nolan happy. So all good. Yeah, like the end of Inception. Right. Did the top fall or did it not? That's an that's a question we'll always be asking. <laughs> okay, okay. We're, you're, you're, you're over here. And the greatest question of Inception for you is if whether the top fell or not. And I'm like... I'm pretty sure is whether it was through a dream or not, and you're the only one in theater. No, that's like, basically it. But did it fall? But just imagine you're the only one in like the theater. It was like, but did it fall? <laughs> <laughs> no, that was like everyone though. I guess. Yeah, like, I remember when that when that movie came out. Everyone was talking about that movie. Yeah. No, I like, I vaguely remember being in the theater and at the end of watching that scene, so like everyone was like, did it fall? <laughs> like, <laughs> dude. It's a good movie. Yeah. What I experienced though, watching like a Christopher Nolan film in theaters. Yeah. This episode is just becoming like a Christopher Nolan episode. Mm-hmm. Honestly, so Well, far. now it's <laughs> going to become a David Fincher episode. Mm. David Fincher. Take it away, Ken. All right. Time to shine. What y'all have been waiting for. No one. I'm just joking. It's just me. <laughs> so David Fincher. All right. <laughs> David Fincher. Uh, yeah. I, I, you know. I'm not a filmmaker or anything. I'm not a film major or anything. I think the only oh, we make these videos, right? Okay, <laughs> this is like a <laughs> far away from film, but um, I guess my only credibility is that I just I just like film. I just uh, and in one of like one of the people in the 
I guess, industry that I deeply admire is uh, David Fincher. Mm-hmm. Uh, for those who don't know, notable works, Gone Girl, Seven. He did uh, Panic Room. He also He's also the mind behind the Netflix hit Mindhunter. Also, Ooh, Mind Robots. Also helmed by David Fincher. And uh, yeah, those... those oh, uh, so the social network, Fight Club, can't not mm-hmm. mention that, Zodiac. So from all those movies, you can really sense a theme. <laughs> and he's yeah. just like a really... All his movies are generally really, really dark and really, really like broody. And I'm not even talking. I'm not even like. I haven't even gotten to like the, like the physicality of it being dark. Like his movies are actually, actually dark. <laughs> like <Yeah>. there's always <laughs> shadows always being used, but he uses them in such a strategic way to portray his characters and kind of like flesh out um, relationships between this character and this character. So mm-hmm. I. And if you know anything about David Fincher is that he's an extremely meticulous and really strict director. So there's a lot of stories online that like from people who are in his movies saying that it was it was really hard to work with him. Like Robert Downey Jr. had this big beef with David Fincher on the set of Zodiac. Like, um, yeah, I remember. Like that one. he he just kept everyone on set for so long, even past the the noted hours. Reshoot, reshoot again, reshoot again. Robert Downey Jr. being the guy that he is, uh, uh, pissed, <laughs> uh, into like a into like a little jar and left yeah. it like like on set, you know, in uh, in retaliation. But I think, uh, personality aside, I don't know the guy, but you, you have to admire a man that's just so meticulous, you know. And especially when you're making something like film, you yeah, it it translates into something really um, amazing. And uh, a big thing about directors that I really, really like that I, I, I want to get into is it's not always solely on the director, but I think style kind of encompasses color grading as well. And, I, and I'm a big color grading guy. Like, I like editing photos and everything. I know that they're, that's pretty different, but I'm just into that realm. And um, David Fincher's, like, movies are always just so, there's always a bunch of muted colors and this yellow, this yellowish tint, and that's really, really prevalent yeah. in. That's definitely in his seven. style, right? In Seven yeah. and in even Fight Club, even in a movie like The Social Network. So I was yellow? like, yeah, yeah. I was like, I don't, <laughs> right. I don't know if this was the right thing for here, but it was his movie and it was his style. Yeah, yeah, and I, I, I like that. Like you just kind of, you. I love it when you can see a film and you're like, oh, there you go, David Fincher, at the, you know, at the uh, director's seat and everything. And um, something I also want to mention too, for sure, is I think so. When you watch when you watch a movie that's as notable as Seven is, you know, everyone knows the scene where What's it's in the box. Yes, right, like the big climax and everything at at the end. Beautifully done, by the way. Um, mm-hmm. There are so many little details in that small scene that he put in like work to kind of get right that you know John like, Doe has that by hand yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like uh when during during the climax scene you know the John, John Doe would would be shot up from a shot 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 up would be shot <laughs> bang, bang. filmed at a uh, <laughs> low angle bang, bang, bang. versus Brad Pitt's character and Morgan Freeman's to show that um character character dynamic where John yeah. Doe has the power he's he right. is in the spotlight and the others are you know, submissive to whatever pain he's gonna, you know, <laughs> you know, throw them away or throw them their way. And yeah. uh, there's that so super duper famous, um, quick, like still screenshot, yeah, of of uh, Brad Pitt's uh, character's wife, like, uh, and uh, he uses like like he does that again in like Fight Club. But it's just like it's just weird, but and you don't really catch it. But that little like quick glimpse, it's just you know not. It's not. Sometimes people don't even catch it, but he obviously mm-hmm. added it in for further like I don't know like yeah furtherness. <laughs> I don't know what the word. There is um. There's definitely a distinction between directors because in that same scene, it could have had almost like the same impact if he didn't leave that like um that quick cut in. Mm-hmm. But um, I think about movies like Quentin Tarantino's use of not showing you what's in the box, like in um, Pulp Fiction. Everybody, like, for years was asking, oh, what's in the case, you know? Like, it's yeah. this golden thing, and everyone <laughs> would rather know what's inside than just use their imagination. Mm-hmm. But both, just I messing think... messing with this. Yeah. 
both um effects are effective because <laughs> it just shows there's different tastes in how you show the viewers or don't show the viewers the impact of something that's there. Yeah. And like from mm, a technical a standpoint one. too, in Pulp Fiction, um, like a directing technique that he did that's really notable is in, uh, the famous patented trunk shot where he puts the camera in the trunk and it, 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 uh, it's angled upwards. And, Which uh, trunk shot? The trunk shot where like the briefcase in the trunk and everything. And it's, um, or maybe I'm thinking of a different movie, but I know that uh, Quentin Tarantino, um, he's, he's, he kind of, he's one of the very first people to do that. And, or at least he's really known for his, uh, trunk shot. Oh, do you mean yeah. just like the, the Dutch angle from inside the case? Is that what you're saying? Just like it's that low angle from just from the, the trunk. I'm, I, I don't Are know. Are you we're saying the, the trunk of thing. a car or the trunk, trunk, trunk of a car? Like from the inside. Yeah. Trunk of a car. Someone's, you know, you open it up and it points. Oh, maybe I just can't remember like when yeah. that happened in the movie. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, man, like finding different ways to kind of like shoot things. I think that's like one of the hardest job for like the director, you know what I mean? But kind of like yeah. different ways, but also to kind of, it has to have some kind of meaning towards the overall product that is the movie. Mm-hmm. And uh, those are some of the stuff that I admire from like directorial techniques and everything, technicalities. Can I mention how um, you wrote like a 10-page essay on David Fincher? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm just reading off the paper right now on my, my computer. <laughs> but uh, uh, dur- dur- during, no, I'm winging it. <laughs> Not 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 purely, but um, yeah, we we did we did mention we took a film class, Jonah and I. Um, one of our projects was to write this big paper right before Coachella, and I mean it wasn't it's not like he assigned it right before Coachella. We just <laughs> do it until like the night before Coachella. But uh, I digress, and we worked hard on it. And yeah, I the my paper was solely on uh, David Fincher, so I I know what was yours on again? A thing or two. Um, I kind of did like. Was the concept. Topic. Yeah. Oh right. Yeah, I wasn't a director again. I forgot. Yeah. yeah. But that's another episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What are, What are some uh like tell tell me more about your uh, directors, Jonah? Uh, me. Um. Okay. Uh. Well. Um. I was actually kind of having some trouble with like picking a director because I don't know if I really ever picked a favorite one, but mm-hmm. I was just thinking I really love horror movies and. You can't talk about horror movies without James Wan. Yeah. yeah. Saw, um, The Conjuring. Yeah, like, oh, yeah, come yeah on. Saw, Conjuring, Insidious. Insidious. Even that um, small little sequence in Aquaman was awesome. Yeah, yeah Aquaman. Like, yeah. It's, it's kind of cool how he, he went from <laughs> right? like doing horror movies to oh, doing movies like Aquaman and then yeah. even a much Furious Fast 7, Fast I think. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I'd never watched that. Did you guys watch that? Which one? Yeah, of course. That's the one, the last Seven? one, Paul Walker. Oh, you never watched Seven? Oh, yeah, I watched the that Paul one. Paul Walker one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that was the last one I watched. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, um, I know he was involved in, like, pr- production of, like, all the other Conjuring movies, but I don't want to talk about those. We don't talk yeah, about those. Those are too. really bad. <laughs> oh, my God, like, The Nun. Uh, I think that's our collective. Mm. Like, we hate that movie. <laughs> yeah, that movie's a letdown. Um, spinoffs. Like, stop making the spinoffs. Just focus on the main ones, you know? And if you don't have time to make the the main ones, then, okay, well, like, let's go five years without a Conjuring edition and then give me just a main one and then yeah. I'll, I'll watch that. Yeah. I don't know. Conjuring 3, hopefully. We get yeah. that soon. Right. I don't know. Man, they were churning but, uh, out the spinoffs for like a good minute. Yeah. Yeah, he's trying yeah, to make like money. Three Annabelles. Three more than I asked for. <laughs> we were just three more talking, than I asked well, for. Yeah. We're talking about superheroes, right? And like the whole uh, shared universe thing. And then like oh, yeah. the James <laughs> Wan is trying to do that whole shared universe with the conjuring <laughs> yeah. verse. What? Oh man. He's trying to scare our kids in like every generation. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, we we've we've all seen a lot of his works, like Saw and um, I think James Wan kind of proves James Wan that... did Saw. Yeah, yeah. Whoa, I think James yeah, Wan he... has it really. He's I associate James Wan with a lot of uh, visual effects. I feel like a lot of his movies are a lot of his movies are pretty visually stunning. You watch Aquaman, right? And then again, oh my, 
I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Am I frozen? You're frozen. Yeah. Hold on. Are you frozen too? Let it go. <laughs> no, you're just frozen. One. Oh, there you go. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, I'm back. But I was saying that, like, oh yeah, I love Frozen too. Anyway, um, he <laughs> <laughs> kind of just proves that um, horror movies doesn't have to be all jump scares. Like, horror movies can be good, and they could have like a thrilling plot as well. You know? Yeah. Look at Insidious, like the whole further, the concept of the further, and how he did that and everything, and how two connects right. to one with the whole like he's knocking on the door and everything. Like, yeah. I don't know, man. It's just yeah, dude. Like, I thought stuff. that was really cool. That was good stuff. You get a you get a lot of like just haunted houses, but he made I don't know if it was his concept alone, but like I'm um, just the concept of the plane. I mean the uh, the plane, the uh, further the spirit and just plane. exploring that. <laughs> plane. That I I love that's why I love Insidious. That was like Yeah. I don't know. I'm yeah. kinda I would I'm kinda scared that like that thing's <laughs> actually true. And like I'd like <laughs> fall in there some someday. Yeah. <laughs> Into the further, <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, that's so funny. Nice. But um, talking about like maybe like conjuring, those were like more grounded in like real life. Mm-hmm. Mm. I'm sorry, <laughs> <In> real life. <laughs> well, yeah, like they had some like you know they're based on like true horror stories. Yeah, like I don't know how true Edith those Marine are Warren. with uh the Warrens. Yeah. Um, yeah, but uh, The Conjuring, they're more of like a, a classic horror movie, but um, the way James Wan directed it um, with like his pacing and his like cinematography, like with that movie, mm-hmm. um, it just, it's also just a movie that doesn't make you feel dumb. Like there's, there's a mystery and you're going along for the ride with the characters right and it's not just some jump scare horror actually well there was like some good jump yeah. scares in that one yeah but like yeah. um it was a really creepy yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right so the conjuring visually uh i thought it was amazing good job james wan on that yeah, good job james wan <laughs> um but I really want to talk about um, the original Saw because that's probably one of my favorite movies, yeah, and I, I think Saw. that's a movie that really put on put um, him on the map. Did, did you almost say put like, me um, on the map? <laughs> no. Yes. No? Or, yes. <laughs> put him. <laughs> got it, got it. Hmm. Yeah. Sorry, I'm kind of lagging a little bit. It's all good. Yes. Your brain. Um, yeah, that's you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but from a production standpoint, uh, that movie was really cool because it was mostly in that one room you know mm-hmm. yeah and then um there's also low budget too right yeah I well think extremely yeah. low budget mm-hmm. but um like those characters being trapped in there i think he did a good job of like the you as a viewer also feeling trapped with them yeah and then you're you're right there with them trying to figure out how to escape mm-hmm. and oh man um uh, it's kind of crazy too how um you said it's all shot in one room and he still finds like the creative capacity to keep you interested by kind of doing like different angles and different views mm-hmm. and kind of shrouding like certain areas of the room to only show important things because if you're just filming a room like any novice filmmaker would just kind of be like okay I'll just use like one or two angles but <laughs> he's he's a really smart guy he knows what he's doing and I don't think there was a time where I was just like, oh, he already did this angle or like we already know this side of the room, right? Mm-hmm. But um, one thing I actually realized too about James Wan was that um, I think he single-handedly pioneered the genre of cheap budget horror movies. Because I remember way back then, right, with Saw's success, I think Paranormal Activity took that idea and ran with it. But even, okay, going all the way back to Blair Witch Project, those are like the three low budget horror movies that I can remember in like the <laughs> earliest of times. Blair Witch Project. Oh, man. I, I just Blair I Witch. just remember watching Blair Witch Project with Kent, and then when we watched, we watched. I was there like, too, dude. What, what was that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry. You guys already know this, but I have a great, huge biasm, and I hate found footage films like that era. I love found, found footage, footage, dude. That era was just, just Cloverfield my, is my, my shit. 
Yeah. I like Cloverfield. Except it kind of gets a little headachy. I, I just get motion sickness, dude. Like, yeah. that's for me. I guess it's more of a personal thing, but I'm like, I don't know. I guess, like, just it's some, something about it, like, there's something about, you know, traditionally shot films and everything and, like, the cinematic feeling it evokes that I just can't, like, let go of. And, like, the found footage films, it was a whole, it was a whole craze. And I, I appreciate the originality or, you know, it was a little bit different. Mm-hmm. But aside from the motion sickness that I would always get in the theaters, <laughs> like, it just didn't really toot my horn, you know what I mean? I don't know why I said toot my <laughs> horn, but uh, toot toot. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I also want to mention that um, James Wan was, like, tied to... The Resident, like a remake of the Resident Evil movie, mm-hmm. but like his name is like completely gone from it, and I think that was the best hope of a good Resident Evil movie we'd get. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I'm just sad as a fan of that game oh, that we're never gonna get boy. good. Boy. We're never gonna boy. get a good movie. We're... Yeah, because <laughs> it's a shame. Yeah, it's never gonna happen, man. Until Disney picks up Resident Evil. No never Dude, that'd be sick. Well, that'd be terrible. I think all the fans would hate that. They're just like they're just gonna Disney fi the like. Yeah. The Imagine a Resident Evil maze at um, Disneyland. <laughs> it's like zombified Mickey Mouse. I'm like, I'm not running away from that. I'm, I'm I'm coming up to pet it. <laughs> I can't wait to see Claire Redfield join the Avengers in the MCU. <laughs> but um, talking about that movie, that brings me to a director I despise. Despise, mm-hmm. despise. Oh, no. no. That is Paul W.S. Anderson. Oh. And he's the guy that ruined all those Resident Evil movies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you can, you, see, you can feel the anger boiling from his <laughs> eyes. Oh, man. I watched every one. Okay. And I've Did got you really? to say, I wish I had, could have take my time back. Yeah. I watched, but, like, I watched one Resident Evil movie. He was like... <sighs> he directed... Alien versus Predator. I mean, the movie wasn't like (laughs) it wasn't wasn't the best movie ever either. (laughs) But at least the Alien Predator were cool enough to keep you watching. If you combine um, all the Resident Evils and the AVPs, I guess it makes kind of a watchable movie. (laughs) Makes one watchable long. If I just take the the best scenes from all of those movies, I'll I'll be like, sure, I could spend forty minutes watching this. I think I if I he didn't movie. get movies that weren't like linked to specific culture, like, like pop, culture. yeah, like like culture that, like Aliens vs Predator, Resident Evil, if they weren't linked to, I mean, if what am I even saying anymore? Like, like if they didn't have like the weight of the, um, like the community, the, yeah, and yeah, of, just the of franchises, those, yeah, the franchises. Then I wouldn't even watch them. True. Yeah. Maybe he just needs his one good movie. He needs one good movie. I yeah. think he. Okay, I'll, I'll give him a chance. <laughs> <laughs> all right, hey, you. We. I, we I think here first. Even, yeah. even if he's made all these bad movies, um, everyone always deserves a second chance. Even though if it. Well, he's like had their, plenty, but like, yeah. Yeah. I, I, like, I think he's on his eighth chance. What are you talking about? Yeah. Man? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. When do you like just like when do you just admit that he's just a bad director and when do you go ah oh, you know he's he's figuring You're it right. out right he you should know? just stop I think he's uh tied to a Monster Hunter movie Monster oh Hunter is he movie. yeah wow wait isn't um Mia Jovovich also in that one oh God am am I tripping <laughs> I I no, don't know wait. probably oh I don't know much about it but I don't know yeah. Either. They're married, and he just always wants to oh, make I think porno movies about her, I guess. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I hear you, yeah, I hear yeah. I think, like, another bad director I always think of, or I kind of, like, go my go-to bad director is, like, Michael Bay. I just think you, uh, I mean, you know, his movies are just always, movies are, they're enjoyable. Like, don't get me wrong, I love the Transformers movies, but. Yeah, uh, dude. Armageddon, like, my scientific brain would just die. But my movie brain is like, ooh, yeah. space, guns space. in space. That's 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 how it gets you. It's just space. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, you watch. He's you got watch. space dementia. What? <laughs> <laughs> He's got space. Isn't that dementia. just regular dementia? Yeah. Insert explosion you, here. How <laughs> do you possibly land there? on an asteroid that's moving at like an unfathomable speed and not die, and also drill on an asteroid? Hmm. 
<laughs> you tell me. Movie magic. Um, yeah. Mo- movie logic. There yeah. you go. That's why. Yeah. And story explosion here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's how you wrap up Michael Bay. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Just a bunch of explosions and random hot girls. <laughs> Megan Fox. Megan Fox. Mm-hmm. D- different episode. Different episode. Different episode. <laughs> <laughs> Do you, do you have any yeah. directors you despise, Baron, or just another director you want to talk about? Um, despise? I don't know, dude. Nothing comes to mind. Those but words. there's one director that I want to talk about that I've been waiting the whole episode to mention. My homie Damien Chazelle. Let's go. Damien Chazelle is one of my f- most favorite directors to come out in the last couple years, because honestly, dude, his movies make me feel things. Like they're they're such unique stories but so relatable like his three biggest movies and his three only movies besides the first one which was kind of like an indie film project that i didn't really watch or i think it was just an indie film but we got whiplash first man and la la land three of my favorite movies of all time wow is yeah. first man a space movie yeah first man Sounds like a space okay movie. first man is like humanity's first step off of earth right and the way he captured it was just beautiful. And what La La Land is a human story about two people that want to fall in love, that want to have a happy ending, but can't because life happens, you know? Mm-hmm. And Whiplash is about a student trying to earn the respect of his teacher. And that's something I think we can all relate to. But the way his movies <laughs> just capture human emotion, I think, is just top-notch. And... Visually too, he's um he has a musician background, and you can really see that it translates into film, because Whiplash is about you know song and music, and so is La La Land, but the way he presents um the way he uses music in First Man is also really incredible because I'd like to say that the lack of music is so impactful. If you guys haven't watched it, there's the the scene where Neil Armstrong first you know, lands, right? And then the doors open and the IMAX kicks in. So he uses IMAX in the movie, but you don't really see much of it until that one scene. Like the first sequence of the moon landing. That's when the IMAX kicks in. It goes quiet. It's completely silent. And you're just there with Neil Armstrong and Buzz, and you know, in space. It's just amazing. Yeah, when cool. did that come out? That's not, I want to go check um, that out. I want to say 2019. Oh, cool. Well, that's so recent. recent. Yeah. Really so he recent. did 2019. Oh. Uh, well, he did First Man in 2019, and then La La Land was, I think, 2014? 2016. Yeah. Uh, Whiplash was 2014. Whiplash was 2014. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. yeah. But he's just great. I, I could say so much about him, but uh, I'm going to leave that to you guys. And also because I don't want to spoil La La Land for a certain somebody that hasn't watched it yet. Jonah, come after... on, man. Watch La La Land, dude. Jonah, I don't think you've watched it either, right? <laughs> no, he's watched it. Have you seen it? I just don't talk about it that much, I guess. Oh. But Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling? Oh, I think they're a yeah. couple. That's an award-winning <laughs> combo. And they did win a couple awards. Whiplash was Ryan great, Gosling, though, too. <laughs> what yeah. no I just Ryan Gosling he's in like so many different kinds of movies it's so awesome yeah yeah I I want to comment on Damien Chazelle um I you know uh, the person that hasn't seen La La Land is sadly me mm-hmm. viewers Baron's been on my neck for the last like month it's time to watch that movie I will get to it okay but uh other movies that you mentioned a movie that I have I have seen is Whiplash and Whiplash is honestly one of like it's hard it's hard for me to name favorites, you know, but it's up there. It's up there. I have a lot yeah. of admiration for that movie too. And what what I will say is that movie is such a good example of there are a lot of scenes where it is extremely tense between um mm-hmm. like teacher and uh, the student. It's pretty it's just borderline abuse. But um the way he captures the sweat, like falling from his oh, forehead, yeah. crashing onto the um, drum set and everything, and all of that, like it creates this, especially that final act during when he's mm-hmm. the big performance and his big all the solo. blood and everything too, right? That was awesome. And I think that's a really good example of how 
when you can choose good angles, choose really amazing ways to shoot a different shoot something to kind of add mm-hmm. to the movie. That's、uh, Damien Chazelle did a phenomenal job in that、yeah. movie, and it was just it was just tense, man. I was like this in the theater or like this in my seat, like oh my god,、mm-hmm. so much tension. But,、uh, <laughs> yeah. Like yeah, we talked、really、about、exciting. how、um, directors have very、um, notable shots that they use. And one that Damon Chazelle uses is the eye-to-eye contact. Like it's just a quick, not quick, but it's a, a long-drawn close-up of each character's eyes, like almost towards the end of the movie every time. Actually, I think in every single movie it closes the film. Yeah, with 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 the eye contact. Yeah, so it's、cool. it's both characters look at each other, and in all three movies it means something else,、oh. like. In First Man, it's um. I guess it's not a spoiler. It's in the history books. Um, it's Neil and his wife just looking at each other behind the glass because he's obviously quarantined from coming home from the moon, and it's a look of like, like I, okay, I can't really explain it because it's a whole film. You know, there's a lot of struggle that's going on in his life, and even kind of being the person and how he ended up being. Um, on that mission, it, I don't know. It has so much cultural significance that he really was able to capture and translate into film. But、um, an easier one to explain would be like La La Land, I'd say, because、mm-hmm. it's the point in which the two characters realize like they they know they love each other. Granted, like they're on different paths in life now, but there's always that mutual love that they'll they'll never have or they'll never、um, get rid of. I guess. And then for Whiplash too, it's that look of like I see you, like I I respect you and you respect me kind of thing. Because、mm-hmm. in the whole movie, you know Miles Teller's character is just trying to earn the respect of J.K. Simmons, and almost throughout the movie, you kind of get the sense that nobody impresses J.K. Yeah, like there's <laughs> yeah. nothing that this man hasn't seen, and there's、Rally? nothing that anyone can do. <laughs> Shut up! Right, <laughs> <laughs> you said rowling. <laughs> yeah, J.K. Yeah, Simmons'、uh, character in Whiplash, man, I, I seriously cry if he was my teacher. Yeah. Yeah. Even I wanted to impress him, but then I'd also、Scary. probably just quit. Me I, being honest, I would have never enrolled. <laughs> just walking,、yeah. I see him I'm like I, I've seen Whiplash. I'm dropping. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, like, no. If he ever teaches a class in, at any like school, and you just walk in, you see J.K. Simmons as your teacher, like you scram, man. He's、yeah. just gonna put you through the ringer, dude. It's bad. But I'll make you the best you can be. Yeah, what a cost though. Have yeah, you seen Whiplash? Like Miles Teller's character, he does not exactly like. Prosper by the end. Dude, of the yeah,、movie. at the end of that whole movie, he's not even in the school anymore. Dude, he, 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 oh, <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, yeah. They both actually lost their jobs. Dude, so at what cost, dude? Bad. <laughs> yeah, there's got to be a better way of teaching someone. But props, Sando. <laughs> yeah, he did it. Respect yeah, yeah. over education, I guess. Over education. Yeah, he 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 knew someone was gonna make a movie about it, and then like, there you go. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I know we、uh, mentioned that we're going to talk about directors in this、uh, episode, but I did also want to shoehorn in the other homie, Roger Deakins, dude. Yeah. One of my favorite cinematographers ever, and、uh, not to be morbid or anything, but like if he did stop working today, I think his long line of or his,、oh, man, his large portfolio of movies would just be timeless. Like he's. Hall of Fame in my book, I can never say anything bad about him, and he's just done so much for the, for cinema, dude. Every single movie he's worked on has had some kind of new take on cinematography, or like has made such a heavy impact on the way we see film. Like, dude, look at nineteen seventeen.、Like, how many Oscars has that guy won? Not enough. Not enough. Not enough. Not enough. Only two, but not enough.、Mm. Like nineteen seventeen, they took that. Challenge of making a one take movie, and they just nailed it.、Mm-hmm. And when you hear about Roger talking about it, right? It sounds simple enough, but it all starts with him. I don't know if he gives himself enough credit because, as a guy, he just kind of does his job. You know, he's like, "That's it." You know, this is what I'm here to do. But 
everybody around him and everyone that works with him always talks about how much, like, just how much he brings to the table. And, Hell yeah. like I said, 1917, if he wasn't the cinematographer that he was, that movie would have never been made. Because it all starts with how he kind of, how he was able to formulate the basic um, outline of the movie because they used his knowledge to translate that into how many steps it would take each actor to walk for this sequence Damn. and how much distance for this sequence, how much time that translates to and, and there's so much like where they need to end up. Oh man, it's crazy. It's crazy. That is crazy. And you know, it comes to show that like, you know, uh, where this episode is obviously director, I guess, focused, but there are so many moving parts into making a film, cinematographer, director, screenwriter, all those people play such a huge role. And like when they all come together and they just kind of uh, plug in all their like skill sets and everything, you get sometimes like the, like a really phenomenal movie. 1917, like you mentioned, like the director had his part, but the cinematographer was like obviously the one behind that one shot yeah. He has, like, take to the movie, and that was probably one of the biggest selling points of that movie. Everyone was talking about that after they walked out of the theater, like, and obviously it was recognized at the Oscars. It was just insane. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dude. Blade Runner 2049 would not be the same without him. Yeah. That was, that was such a beautiful movie. Well, and... it's like, Blade Runner 2049 was just dessert for my eyeballs. <laughs> yeah. We should patent that. Dessert for my eyeballs. Do you know who uh, d- did the cinematography for Mad Max? Um, I can't remember. You mean Fury Road, right? Yeah, Fury Road. Off the top of my head, I don't know, but I will look it up. Just because that was another treat for your eyeballs. Oh, oh yeah. Really stunning it was John Seal. Mm-hmm. John Seal. Oh, actually, t- I, I knew that. Because <laughs> I just watched a video about him like 30 minutes ago. Um, he has a lot of good ones, but I think Mad Max Fury Road is probably one of the the ones, the biggest ones that come to mind. Yeah, that movie's He did Lorenzo's awesome. Oil, though. <laughs> Lorenzo's Oil, call back to uh, high Dude, school. <laughs> was that biology class? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was a good movie. No, like, that was, um, yeah, human, that was human Anatomy. No, Lorenzo's Oil. I watched it in... Oh, uh, maybe it was biology. Watched yeah, 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 yeah. That was a good movie. Yeah, that one, that one in Gattaca was good too. Oh, Gattaca! Gattaca, <laughs> Gattaca was pretty good. Those were like legit good movies that that you that they made you watch, yeah. in, in school, and you're like, this is not half bad. <laughs> yeah, those are good days. Yeah. Uh, another, you know, we were talking about visually stunning movies, and I think another director that kind of comes to mind that I really want to just briefly talk about, but you know, we mentioned him, and it's Zack Snyder, and I think you know we we did say we love him or hate him. Is everyone has their opinions when it comes to Zack Snyder, but I think what a lot of people can totally agree is he makes a really visually stunning movie. And one of his like uh, signature kind of like directorial technique is he's known for his action sequences, the the dynamic or the use of like fast forwarded scenes, then slow mo it down, slow-mo. then fast forward <laughs> and slow it down. They just it watch make... three hundred. <laughs> yeah. You watch three hundred. Watch Sucker Punch. Watch. Batman v Superman, um, like yeah, like even Watchmen. Um, that usage is actually, you know, that technique is honestly used by everyone and their moms now. But Zack Snyder really pioneered that. Yeah, and my mom's think, a like, filmmaker. Yeah, <laughs> dude, that's awesome, man. Dude, <laughs> the Batman versus Superman Batman warehouse oh, fight scene. Oh, yeah, man, that was one of the best Batman scenes ever. Yeah, dude. Yeah, like the way he he <laughs> way he approached it really revolutionized like. The way we um, film action scenes, it's just that doesn't have to be like a stationary shot and then you, you watch people fighting. And also it, ma- it allows the audience to make sense of what's happening in the fight by slowing it down. Then you rev it up and you slow it down and he does close ups and you're seeing like the actual choreography to the fight. And kind of like accentuates the choreography of his fight scenes and everything. It's just really pretty to watch, you know, and I, yeah. I like that. I like, I like that a lot. It's pretty cool. I want to say visually, out at the very least, uh, Zach was a good choice for like the Batman movies and um, yeah, man, did he do Man of Steel too? Yeah, 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 he did. Yeah, 
And his color grading is cool too. Just all muted colors again. Very cold. Right. Yeah. Lots of grays style. and blues. Style. Mm-hmm. And I like that a lot. Something that you, you can really tell from like the video so far that that's personally something that I'm really into. Like d- a distinct look and visual aesthetic to a film is. Whew, whew. Yeah, we, we should definitely have a second part because I would love to kind of like even maybe talk deeper or dissect to maybe one director in one video while we all take turns or we can um, just, yeah, like another director episode would be great because there's so mm-hmm. many to cover, man. Yeah, leave in the comments uh, who you'd want us to talk about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, um, I think that's all for today. And there you have it, some of our favorite directors. I hope you learned a little something or maybe found a new director to interest you so you have some new movies to check out. Mm-hmm. Thanks so much for tuning in today, guys. And if you enjoyed this episode, pre please press that like button um, we'd really appreciate that and we are actually taking a small break next week just to relax and keep this fun and exciting but don't worry we will, we will be back soon with a really awesome episode and so please subscribe for that Ooh, gas them up gas them up stay tuned yeah. guys we got something really special like it's in the works and we're ex- we're all excited to uh, like release that and everything. So stay tuned. Yeah, and don't forget we're on Spotify and Instagram. It's Delirium Hour, and I know there's a lot, but all the links in the description. Thanks for joining us. This was Delirium Thanks for being Hour, here, guys. And we'll see you soon. Hey guys, go watch those movies. Go out and watch a movie. That's yeah. Go yeah. watch any movie. Just don't watch Resident Evil one, two, three, four. <laughs> 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 All right. Later, All guys. Right. Later, guys. Bye, guys. <laughs>